Grab a chair. Where do you sit? I'm going to stand right here because i got to stand okay. in front of the camera. Can you get extra credit for being here? Yeah, that's like 15 extra units. No. <laughs> no? You can hear me now? You need one of these? I have one. I, I bought the wrong one. I got a small catfish. You want Melissa? You got oh, it? This got one. Oh, yeah, you got the good one. You're good to go. All right. How's everybody in internet land? Doing fine, Pastor. Fantastic. Yeah credit for finding the zoom link without getting the zoom link yeah you're welcome <laughs> same one every week all right we're trying to keep it as simple as possible the, the zoom link is exactly the same every week i didn't know it worked that way i thought there was a new one every meeting i'm trying to keep things as easy as i can for y'all yeah <laughs> come on grab cherries uh there's a couple right there we can go steal some from the confirmation room if we need to you're not staying i don't want you to stay i'm just kidding up up at the chair there you go yeah we do have youth group tomorrow and turn it up right there all right, I'm pulling up the large catechism. And uh, do you guys have any questions or anything you'd like to talk about before we get going? Anybody in here? Questions, anything on your mind? All right. So we are just starting the third commandment uh, today. The, the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Um, our small catechism tells us that this means that we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Um, when we deal with the third commandment, I want to kind of give you a, a, a line of thought for this, uh, this commandment that, that we'll be studying. Uh, there, there's a contrast that the world would make right now, especially inside of Christianity today. Uh, the contrast is this. Uh, I want you to think about when we study the third commandment, worship. Is worship... Um, contrasting God's word with um, the corporate gathering or is worship, yes, God's word and the corporate gathering. Because um, at least today inside of Christianity, it really sort of seems like a pick one and not the other. Um, and, and one of those things that we've um, sort of been careful to do is as we deal with um, anything that God gives us is we, we just sort of ask ourselves, um, is your God a schizophrenic? Because if your God is a schizophrenic, he'll give you things that go against each other. He'll have differing wills, and so they'll, they'll combat each other. And then you really only want one of the things that's going on. You don't want all of the things God gives because they're opposed. But if God is not a schizophrenic, which I'm really hoping for, um, then all of the things that he gives us, they'll work together for good. And so if God Master, gives you, yeah. Can I interrupt you just for a minute? Sure. Uh, so Lamar, uh, your vo the volume that we're receiving here, I've got my volume up 100%. And, got, uh, on the light and also on the computer uh, volume and the TV. Right. And I, I'm just barely, we're barely getting you. And when you turn away from us, you, we can't understand you. Oh, all right. Let me see what I can do here real quick. I don't know if you can make more volume come out. Um, I'll try to make more volume come it out. May, it, may be, it may be something here too. I don't know. Tell you what, I'm going to pull the screen share down and uh, try and take a crack at this real quick for you. All right. Okay. Um, so um, just to kind of continue while we do it, um, if, um, if God is, is not, well, a crazy person, um, 
well, then the things that he gives us, they'll actually work together for good. And this is um, that, that all of the things that, that God would give us um, are actually collectively working together for good. Um, we'll peg this. How about this? Is this a little better volume wise? No? All right, we're going to try one more thing. Let's change microphone. How about this? Is this better? Yeah? Inky says she didn't know you weren't talking. <laughs> well, Lamar, it might be you because I'm getting that loud and clear. It must be me then. Okay. All right. So uh, we're, we're on a, I uh, hope you all can hear me. Uh, we're, we're on a microphone uh, that's going to be stuck in my head right now. Uh, it'll be a little less clear, but it's closer to my face. Uh, poor, poor guy. Um, so we're in the third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Uh, this is at uh, paragraph 79. Um, the, the word holy day is rendered from the Hebrew word Sabbath, which properly signifies to rest, that is, to abstain from labor. Hence, we are accustomed to say, uh, cease working or sanctify the Sabbath. I'm not even going to try the German uh, because I'm a Russian Jew. Uh, paragraph 80. Now in the Old Testament, God separated the seventh day and appointed it for rest and commanded that it should be regarded as holy above all others and regards this external observance. This commandment was given to the Jews alone, that they should abstain from toilsome work and rest so that both man and beast might recuperate, not be weakened by unremitting labor. Although they afterwards restricted this too closely and grossly abused it, so that they traduced and could not endure in Christ those works which they themselves were accustomed to do on this day, as we read in the gospel, just as though the commandment were fulfilled in simply doing no external manual work whatsoever, which, however, was not the meaning, but as we shall hear, that they sanctify the holy day or the day of rest. All right, so um, as Luther kind of starts this thing, he, he says um, the Sabbath actually means something. Uh, this, this Sabbath, it, it means holy day. Um, th this day of rest has to do with holiness. All right, so um, just from this, this one word holiness, you can figure out the Sabbath real quick. Um, can you make something really holy by sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos and watching Netflix? I'm willing to try, but it's not been super successful yet. If holiness is just measured in doing no course work, well, that's, that's a one thing. Um, rest can be measured in do no coursework. But if remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy is actually the commandment, then when there is um, this rest that is called for, and rest is called for, um, this rest is given for a purpose. And, and yes, part of this is just to, to, um, to recuperate. Um, part of this is simply to, to, um, to rest your body and to, to recover a little bit. But this word holy is where um, Jesus butted heads with the Pharisees every time he walked around anywhere. And, and, you know, he ate on the Sabbath day. He healed on the Sabbath day. He did miracles on the Sabbath day. All of these things that um, the Pharisees would criticize him for. Um, except here's the thing. Um, is Jesus holy? He, the whole day is sort of about him. That, that's his day. The, the stuff that Jesus wants to do on that day, that day was set aside for Jesus to do Jesus stuff. We rest so that we would actually have time to be with Jesus. Are you kind of following me so far? In other words, um, the Sabbath day is not simply sit around and watch Netflix. The Sabbath day is this. What if the God who um, is your God and made you and told you you shall have no other gods because I actually want to be your God in the first commandment. And in the second commandment said, I actually want to um, be um, 
a part of you. I want you to be close to, you, to me. I want you to know my name and I want you to find it as a source of comfort, a source of goodness. What if I actually want to spend some time with you too? Like it, it, it's the craziest thing in the world that um, I would actually value family dinner with my family, right? Because I love them. I set aside time because I actually want to be with them. What if the Sabbath day, um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, is about being near someone holy, namely Jesus, who makes his day and rests on this day because he actually wants to be near, near you. Are you kind of with me so far? Questions, comments? All right. <laughs> so paragraph 82, this commandment, therefore, according to its gross sense, does not concern us Christians, for it is altogether an external manner, like other ordinances of the Old Testament, which were attached to particular customs, persons, times, and places, and now have made been uh, now have been made free through Christ. Um, so uh, again, when we talk about the law, um, we talk about uh, the law in, in uh, two regards. We talk about the moral law and the um, and the ceremonial law. The moral law is the Ten Commandments. This law does not pass away. This law is ours forever. And so Christians, um, even though, for example, um, I'm going to move this because I'm staring at you through it and it's just bugging me. Um, I know, I know. I'm going to go cross-eyed. Um, the Ten Commandments still apply to Christians, right? Um, but this is one of those things though, that anytime anybody who comes across a rule in the Bible that they don't like, uh, they'll come running to the ceremonial law and they'll say, well, how can you Christians believe in marriage if you eat shellfish and you wear polyester? Um, because you, have, you grab sort of um, old ceremonial laws in the Old Testament where there were clean and unclean foods, where garments were actually not supposed to be mixed together, these, these external things. Um, and they sort of mold it all together. Well, the scriptures are actually very clear on this. I'm going to go Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Uh, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So anytime somebody wants to yell at you about, um, I, I don't know, um, well, any of your moral beliefs um, because you eat shellfish, it's Colossians chapter 2. These things are pointing to Jesus. The reason that we set them aside is because Jesus came. We don't need to point to Jesus through cloth anymore. We actually have Jesus to point to. We have the cross. Um, the ceremonial law is fulfilled and has passed away in Christ. And so in other words, um, the, the external act of rest in the Sabbath, especially in the Old Testament, doesn't concern you. I'm not concerned with, with how much or how little work you do on Sunday or Saturday for that matter. I'm concerned about the holiness part because that's the Jesus part. Before the outward works, they pointed to Christ. And those are good things. The ceremonial law pointed to Christ. And I promise you, it's not actually an evil thing either, the ceremonial law. Um, we usually sort of come at it with um, sort of the worst of intentions, um, the ceremonial law. And so we'll, we'll grab hold of this and, and we'll say, um, this is at best sort of a, a group of um, people trying to control uh, a, a mindless brigade who, who kind of followed them around the desert. And so they'll point out things like, um, for example, uh, the, the women who were cast outside of the camp every time they menstruate. Um, and they'll say, look at, how, um, look, at, look at how misogynistic and sexist this culture is. Um, because we, we sort of walk into this thing assuming, first of all, that we're more loving than God, which has already set aside not only the ceremonial law, but the moral law. Because if you actually think you're more loving than the God who died for his enemies, let's just talk. Um, like, let's just, just take a deep breath. Um, but more than that, let me just, what if, for example, um, before we had the, the hygiene products that we do today, and as, as burdensome as this has to be even today, what if God just wanted to make sure that women had a little bit of space 
and nobody bothering them. And since they lived in a family structure, what if is the grandparents then who took care of the kids for a little while? And what if we set the, the woman aside um, so that she wouldn't have to be bothered uh, to, do, to do extra chores, to take care of anything? The husband would leave her alone for just a few days so that, that she can kind of recover and all this. What if afterwards, because this is a, a, a struggle, um, not only in terms of pain, but in terms of, 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 of comfort. What if after you were done, you were called holy in front of the whole congregation so that nobody could ever hear anything of it? And then you were brought back in. You were given space to deal with a problem that we weren't equipped to deal with in a public way. Um, and you were called holy and clean afterwards. And this ceremonial law points to the fact that actually, what if, what if God values the bride, his church, so much so that he would call her, well, white and without blemish or spot? This is Ephesians chapter 5. Um, that, that marriage points to the bridegroom loving the bride, Christ loving the church. The ceremonial law is always pointing to Jesus. If you can do the ceremonial law and not find Jesus, like take a step back because the scriptures are clear. These things are fulfilled in Christ and point to Christ. So don't let anybody pass judgment on you according to the, the ceremonial law, the outward acts of the Sabbath. I'm concerned about Jesus stuff. Y'all with me so far? Now we didn't set aside the 10 commandments. We're keeping those. Those do not pass away. Those are a reflection of God's own character. And, and quite frankly, sin breaks stuff. So don't sin. It, it hurts people. It's pretty simple. Y'all with me? Out there on internet land? Y'all good? Can you put the text on the screen? Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 oh, and 17. I can try it real quick. Yeah, I'm going to have to switch a couple things around. Oh, my, my, oh, even the, the catechism went away. Hang on. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was changing the microphone and forgot. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm pulling back up the, uh, the catechism. And uh, we'll, we'll start running from there. Um, if you've got one in front of you, it'll be paragraph 83. All right, while this loads, I'm gonna start reading. Uh, listen, and, and I'll get it up as soon as I can. But to grasp a Christian meaning for the simple as to what God requires in this commandment, note that we keep holy days, not for the sake of intelligent and learned Christians, for they have no need of holy days, but first of all, for bodily causes and necessities, which nature teaches and requires. For the common people, manservants and maidservants who have been attending to their work and trade that whole week, that for a day they may retire in order to be refreshed and rest. Secondly, and most especially, on such a day of rest, since we can get no other opportunity, freedom and time be taken to attend divine service, so that we come together and hear and treat God's word, then to the praise of God, to sing and pray. All right, so here Luther kind of gets at, at um, why we have a Sabbath. Um, yes, it's good to have some time to rest. Yes, it's good, especially in, in a culture where you might not otherwise have a day off, that you should have a day off, um, that, that even um, servants uh, and, and um, regular workers should have a day off. That's good. Um, we're finishing paragraph 83 and moving into 84 now here. But here, as secondly and most especially, most especially, um, there should be freedom to worship. There should be time so that you can go to church to attend divine service. Um, and divine service, Gottesdienst in German, it's a loaded word. Um, divine service means um, the communion service. Like that, that's what the, the German word means. Um, you can take that however you want to take it. But when Luther means divine service, um, that, that was what it was. Um, it, it's important that we would also hear God's word 
and then to the praise of God, sing and pray. Now, remember when I kind of started this thing off, I said, should we, when we hear the word worship, should we say this is either just in church or this either just is reading the Bible or should we say this is both? And this is both. And, and here he's, he's painting a picture that these things are not to be set against each other, that, that you actually should have time to study the scriptures. You actually should have time also to receive God's actual gifts. You should actually have time to sing. You should actually have time to pray. All of these things come together because the God who gives them all to you actually wants them all to work for good. If God is, is um, either schizophrenic He'll give you things that work against each other. And then honestly, some of them are bad and some of them are good. You pick the ones that are good and you get rid of the ones that are bad. Um, God's not crazy though. He gives you gifts that work together. If God's um, actually halfway decent at his job, which again, I'm really hoping for, um, then when he gives you a multiple set of gifts, they'll actually work collectively to build up better. And when you take one away, it's not that you can't be saved, but it's that something is missing. And then when God gives a manifold number of gifts, they're actually combining and making something bigger than the sum of their parts. Um, which is why, like, you'll hear me say Jesus points um, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, if you treat church like how to get Jesus points, well, then the whole thing just sort of becomes a why do we have to do this? Because, like, well, does baptism forgive your sins? Does baptism work every day? We should be done. We can probably fix Matthew. I'm sure Jesus messed up because what he really meant to say was go into all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then leave because we're done. But he actually said, also teach them to observe the things that I've commanded you. Or even let's do it this way. Um, when we've been in quarantine, is it harder to sing all by yourself against a screen? A little bit. After a few weeks of this, is, you, you maybe don't sing as loud. You maybe, mom, maybe you don't sing at all anymore. There's something missing. If we are removed from the divine service for months because of pandemic, not because we, we just didn't want to go, we just, we couldn't go. Would we say this is a good thing or a bad thing? I would say this is a bad thing. It maybe can't be helped. It, it shouldn't be something that we criticize each other for, but we should all be able to gather, say, if God gave us this gift and actually told us to receive it and now we can't for some reason, that's a bummer. Like, that's, just, that's a bummer. And I know this simply um, before coronavirus is ever a thing. I've been visiting shut-ins since I put one of these on. Honestly, before, like when I was in seminary and I was a little baby pastor, um, they, they start to teach you how to visit people. And the shut-ins who can't make it into church, you know what they really, really want to do? It's not that they don't want me around, but they really want to come see y'all. They actually want to be a part of the church again. Because God gives a manifold number of gifts and they all work together for good. Never set God's gifts against each other. Um, as Luther starts to explain this thing, like watch how he's very careful to, to um, not give us room to start to sort of like focus in on the gifts that we would prefer. Um, because we have some people who are just kind of more academically natured and they love Bible study. And, and like, we, we just want to talk about this stuff and learn about this stuff. And, and that's, that's fun. Um, I'm kind of a nerd and I can't help it. Um, but there's also the people who just love to sing. And like, that's their jam. Um, Pastor Meisler is just a, a gift and like you know where his forte is he is no slouch theologically like he knows his stuff but he's, he's just a blessing to god's church in in anything that is musical um there, there are those who who um simply just love to pray the orders um i i i i like the liturgy because i have adhd and it helps my attention span which is otherwise very very small um but there are people who who um all on their own will actually pray just all day long and they have no problem with this whole daily devotion thing that so many of us struggle with. God doesn't want us to sort of pick the ones that are our forte and then ignore the rest. 
He says, rejoice in the things that you've been given, but also receive the rest too as gifts because they all work together for good. Are you kind of with me here? Awesome. Y'all with me out there? Super. Let's keep it going. Uh, 85, paragraph 85. However, this I say is not so restricted to any time as with the Jews that it must be just on this or that day. For in itself, no one day is better than another, but this should indeed be done daily. However, since the masses cannot give such attendance, there must be at least one day a week set apart. And since from old Sunday, the Lord's day has been appointed for this purpose, we also should continue the same in order that everything be done in harmonious order and no one create disorder by unnecessary innovation. All right, there's a lot in here. Um, so in other words, um, why do Christians worship on Sunday, not Saturday? The Sabbath is Saturday. That is the seventh day when the Lord rested. What? Absolutely. Because he rose on Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter to us. Every Sunday is a celebration of the victory that we have in Christ. We have church on Sunday because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. Is that a law? No, absolutely not. If, for example, um, if you go up in the sticks, um, churches are getting smaller just because everybody's leaving. Um, it used to be that like farming was like a, a many, many people affair because you actually had to do work. Now everything's done by GPS and, and machine and you need like one guy in there. Um, and so the, the small towns are getting smaller because you actually, you've got one guy farming what, what 16 people used to. And the economy out there just can't really support a whole bunch of people living there. And so they're going to the cities. Um, so, so churches, as they get smaller in agricultural areas, now you've got one guy serving three parishes, and, and that's not uncommon. Um, I used to serve two, and, and three is becoming the norm. And, and honestly, when our synod started, our guys were doing six, seven, twelve. It just, and they had a horse. They didn't have a car. Um, so here's the thing. What if you had church on Saturday because the pastor couldn't get there on Sunday? Is it still church? Well, let's measure it. Where is the holiness coming from? The day or the God? Melissa got it. It's coming from God. It's not about the day. The Sunday is a good day because that's the day the Lord rose, and that's worth remembering. But what matters is that we, we actually set aside time to be in God's gifts. Now, we should do that every day. That's of course. Um, not everybody can make it every day. People have jobs. Like we just, we recognize this. Luther, as he comes out of the monastery where it was his job to pray all the time, all the time, recognizes that people have real vocations and, and we can't simply say, we're going to pray all of the orders all the day. It would be a gift to actually spend that much time in God's word, not a curse. But like, we also have things that we have to do the rest of the time. Uh, when we take our kids to hire things, like how many times do we have church a day? Three, four. Three or four sometimes, yeah. Um, we actually pray some of the normal orders that, that were done. Uh, we start our day in prayer. We have prayer, um, what, right after lunch, uh, prayer kind of early evening, and then prayer right before bed um, every day. Um, and, and it's ordered. And that's great. Um, also, that lasts a week. And when you come home, you have chores to do. And so, like, we, we can't always necessarily do it as much. It, it, it's a bummer, but we have, we have lives. Um, that's okay if you have a life. That's, again, one of the things that, that we do um, to, to, to recognize that um, we're free in Christ. It's not about the day. It's not about every day. It's about being near Jesus. He wants time set aside that you can receive his gifts. You kind of with me? So we don't go messing with this stuff on purpose, though. Um, we could pick Tuesday, and we're just, Mount Calvary is going to be different. I don't care what every other Christian church does in all of time and history. Mount Calvary, Tuesday, just for the sake of Tuesday. I like Tuesday. It doesn't matter about Sunday. Um, well, so here's the thing. This creates disorder by unnecessary innovation. 
what if Christians were actually supposed to march together? What if Christians were actually supposed to sing together and believe together? What if we're actually supposed to be built up in actually knowing um, where these things go? There's a great gift in this. You can pick some weirdo up out of Nebraska. You can drive him south um, like two days and stick him in San Antonio, Texas. And he knows how church works here. That was me. Because, well, you, we have good harmonious order. If, if you just sort of throw everything out and do everything however you feel like it, understand that there are people who are going to be harmed by this. Because Christianity is about more than you. And in fact, here more than anything else, um, Christianity is about more than you. Uh, there, there's this, this um, wonderful quote by uh, G.K. Chesterton, who um, was a really, really um, just a, a smart dude from back in the day. Um, but but he, he, he pointed out um, that, that in this common age, um, democracy is um, the voice of the loudest. Like it, you get the most people yelling, you win. That's democracy. That, that's how things have been working so far. Um, and, and that might just be the best system to, to do um, politics by. But here's the thing, Christianity is more than just the voices singing on earth. Who else sings in Christianity? Angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. You are not the church by yourself. You are the church with all of the saints who have gone before you. Do you really think you need to set aside everything that they've ever clung to? Like we actually get to join our voices in their hymns. What's really cool is when you look at the, the years some of these hymns were written. I like it when it says like, I only want three digits in my hymns. Like it was 400 AD. Uh, I know that saints have been singing this hymn for over a thousand years. That there's lots of people up in heaven who already know the words to this. Um, and I also know that when we sing Abide With Me in church tonight, I can set the hymnal down. I, I just know that one. Um, and, and when we know the liturgy that way, um, we can actually find comfort in it instead of just trying our very best to hang on to what's happening next. Um, I know that, that Lutheranism is, is a, a steep learning curve. Like I came in from the outside. Um, but at the same time, once you learn it, um, there's a great gift that, that you're part of something bigger than yourself here. Luther warns us about just messing with stuff for the sake of messing with stuff. Um, he, he says it, it creates disorder. Um, and, and well, God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. Um, in fact, the first thing that he does when he's creating, what's he do? You know, verse three, let there be light. And all of a sudden there's days and there's nights. Mm -hmm. As soon as God gets here, he starts making things ordered. It's the devil who wants the chaos. It's the devil who wants the disorder. We talked about this um, in the second commandment uh, when we were talking about praying in tongues. Um, and we talked about sort of a God who creates order um, is a God who actually wants his name to be heard. And if your idea of prayer is um, sounding like, well, what the people who are possessed by demons in Jesus' time sounds like, you might be praying wrong. You, your prayer should actually be ordered. Um, that, that doesn't mean that you have to pray words that have already been written down for you. But it means that, that as we pray together, um, we actually should find comfort in each other's words. This is about more than just you and God. This is about us who God knits together in his son, Jesus Christ. Are you kind of with me so far? Yes. Questions? Comments? All right. Yeah. Coming, coming from the outside, I came from the outside too. Good. And, but, you know, you're talking about 
that's what one of the many things that I've liked so much. Coming, you know, coming here, learning more is because when we're learning, you know, we're not sitting there going, okay, well, this is what we believe this week, but six weeks from now, we're going to go with the flow of that change. Right. Our beliefs haven't changed. They haven't changed. It's great. It's amazing and wonderful. There's so much, just, there's powerful stability in that. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of an odd way to describe it, but yet, I mean, I think. I mean, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you probably shouldn't have a church that changes every day. Like you, just, you probably shouldn't. Um, I, I'm not saying that that um, uh, that the, the visible aspects of it don't need to pivot to meet the needs of today. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is the gifts given should reflect the eternal truths. And so, for example, air conditioning became a thing, and in Texas, we got on board that train. We should do that thing. Um, we, we, um, we find ourselves in a part of town where there's a decent homeless population. We started giving lunches out. We should pivot to meet the needs of those around us. We absolutely should. But the gifts given, the truths taught, they don't change. Like we're studying a book that was written in like, well, 1547, I want to say. Um, as if it's speaking to us in the 21st century, because as it turns out, we haven't sinned so creatively as we like to think. Um, all the stuff that we keep doing wrong is the same stuff they were doing wrong back then. And the truth that actually not only curbs and norms, but also forgives and heals is the same Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to find peace in the same thing. Um, actually, uh, it's one of the reasons I like the one-year uh, lectionary. Um, I know we're on the three-year here, and that's a wonderful thing. But I told you I, I like to read old books. I, I like the one-year lectionary because I can go and read the sermons that Luther preached. And then... No, if I'm doing it completely opposite Luther, I want to just reevaluate. He might be wrong, but it's probably me because he's smarter than me. Um, and so we'll go back and we'll read um, Walther and we'll read Chemnitz and we'll read Gerhard and we'll, we'll read Luther. Uh, we'll read the fathers of the church and we'll see how have they spoken about these things. We'll read Augustine. We'll read Arrhenius. We'll, we'll, we'll read um, all of the fathers and recognize they're not voices that are on par with scripture, but we don't also have to reinvent the wheel every single time here. And in fact, um, Again, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever shouldn't be reinvented every every day. We all think. All right, we are on paragraph 86. Therefore, this is the simple meaning of the commandment. Since holidays are observed anyhow, such observance should be devoted to hearing God's word, so that the special function of the day should be the ministry of the word for the young and the mass of poor people. Yet the resting be not so strictly interpreted as to forbid any other incidental work that cannot be avoided. Uh, again, um, if you want to measure the Sabbath day, you can either measure it by Netflix or you can measure it by holiness. Netflix is not holiness. Holiness is holiness. And so um, when we set aside the Sabbath day, we say there should be enough time to make sure that you can receive God's gifts. What you do after church, man, I don't care. Like, I really don't. Don't sin, but like, um, I, I'm... <laughs> But at the same time, like, I'm not going to say you're doing too much work for the Lord's Day. Um, I'm going to say, make sure you come in for church and then rejoice. Y'all kind of with me? Yes. yes. Good. All right, 87. Accordingly, when asked, what is meant by the commandment, thou shalt sanctify the holy day, answer. To sanctify the holy day is the same as to keep it holy. But what is meant by keeping it holy? Nothing else than to be occupied in holy words, holy works, and holy life. 
for the day needs no sanctification for itself. It has been created holy from the beginning of creation, and it was sanctified by its creator, but God desires it to be holy to you. Therefore, it becomes holy or unholy on your account, according as you are occupied on the same with things that are holy or unholy. In other words, um, what does it mean to keep something? This is one of those words we use wrong in English a lot of the time. There you go. Maintain it. Hold on to it. Treasure it. Keep does not mean obey. A lot of the times when we grab it in English, we, we try and make it mean obey. Keep does not mean obey. If I say keep the Sabbath day, um, I, I don't mean obey the Sabbath day. That means do no course work. Jesus and the Pharisees went round and around about this. It was to treasure the Sabbath day because you could actually be near the thing that makes you holy. If I say keep my wallet, I'm going to go jump in the pool. I don't mean obey my wallet. I don't. I mean, hold on to it. When we talk about this word, keep the Sabbath day, we mean actually treat this time that God would establish so that you would be near him as something that's worth something, as something that's valuable. And then when we start to talk about um, the day, we can talk about what should be done there, to be occupied in holy words, holy works, and holy lives. What are holy words? Yeah, the Bible. That's very simple. So what about holy works? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on following the Ten Commandments. You know why? Because all your righteous deeds are as filthy rags, says Isaiah. <laughs> and that means that, that my very best efforts to follow the Ten Commandments aren't going to make me holy. Um, for by works of the law, none will be made righteous. That's Romans. So if you want to say holy works is just you behaving yourself, you're going to come up short. Instead, there are holy works that are done for you. Be baptized. Hear preaching. Be absolved, take communion, sing a hymn. These things that God would work in your midst to be occupied with holy works. Well, where's the holiness coming from? Again, is the holiness coming from you or is the holiness coming from God? So go to God's works. You see what I'm saying? And this is the, the trick that everybody sort of gets bogged down in um, because we hear works and we're like, I can, I can do works. And I know I should do works. Works are good. But at the same time, the question is, can works make you holy? And my works can't make me holy. God's works can make me holy. So I want to be occupied with what he's doing for me. And this is where the gospel comes in. The word gospel, um, it's, it's found in two little words, for you. Not about you, but for you. Because there's a difference between a cookie and a cookie for you, right? Like if I just eat a cookie in front of you, that's just mean. But if I, if I say this is a cookie for you, all of a sudden it's a game changer. Now you get carbs too, and life is better. Um, now, if in the same way, God not only works, but works for you, well, then I want to be about those works. And last but not least, a holy life. A holy life is simply found in being baptized. Like this is where, where life finds its, its sanctity, its, its holiness. It's in the fact that God actually wants to esteem you as holy. The day doesn't need made holy. God made the day. And there's nothing you can do to make the day not the day. Rather, what are you doing in that day? That's, that's actually how you measure it. Um, like, honestly, we, we see, yeah. One more. Uh, yeah. Uh, living, living your baptism every day, is that a definition of being holy? Yes. Living in your baptism every day is being holy. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, and so inside of this, um, like, you can do this with a day off. Like, I, I can take, um, I haven't had a day off in two weeks. And so by the time the day comes off, uh, I just want to sit there and, and veg on the couch because I have no energy to move and do anything. And I also have a big long list of things I need to do at home. 
and I get none of them done. And I look at myself at the end of the day in the mirror and I say, that was a wasted day. The day was the day. It was just what I did with it. You know what I'm saying? God set aside the Sabbath day, not just so that you would have Netflix time, but so that you would have time to be occupied in holy words, works, and life. God desires it to be holy for you, to you. And so when he sets this day aside, he actually then starts to say, simply, y'all go to church. <laughs> like, if you can't make it to church, have church brought to you. Like, this is what was done to our shut-ins. Because, um, again, we, we can talk about this thing um, inside of corona, but I honestly don't think as much changed as, as we like to pretend. Because um, we've had shut-ins that for, for years, long before corona, who would say, Pastor, it's Sunday and I can't come to church. And I'd say, you're right, that's a bummer. Let me bring church to you. And we'll go and we'll build a church for them. And we'll have God's gifts for them. And it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't. Sometimes I visit on Sunday. Sometimes it's a Tuesday afternoon because like, I work more than one day a week. Um, but on that moment, we set up an altar. We build a church. We celebrate God's gifts. And the Sabbath day is for them. They're occupied with holy words, holy works, and holy life. And that's a gift. In the same way, um, we, we've done our very best to, to sort of meet the needs inside of Corona. And we recognize that, that, that there, are still, um, there, there are still dangers out there um, that, that um, some people are more susceptible to than others. And we, we recognize and respect that. Um, we don't want anybody to, to be made to stumble in this. Um, but at the same time, um, we also want to say, well, would life be better if this whole thing didn't exist and you'd come to church? When you start to say, no, I like being at home. I, don't like, I like not coming to church. I want to talk to you. Like, honestly. Um, but when we say, no, of course I would rather be there, but I just, I can't right now. You join your voice to every shut-in who sings with the church and angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Because that's a really, really cool part about actually being joined inside of the, the faithful is you guys come with me every time I go and visit a shut-in. You don't realize it. But like I pack you up in my little black briefcase uh, with, with the communion stuff. And I take you um, in my car. You have to ride in the trunk because I, I keep you there. Um, and then I'll walk you into some nursing home and I'll unpack you on some little side table with, with God's gifts. And you'll sing with them, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. If it is communion of the saints, God doesn't mean some of them. It's all of the saints. You are never alone in Christ, ever. And that's the greatest gift that we can give. Um, so now there perhaps, are, go ahead. Perhaps this good emphasis that you get out we get out of this quarantine COVID event is that we're reminded as Christians that the church is us. The brick and mortar is just a location we show up to to worship together. Yeah, church is not the bricks, but church is the gifts. Uh, and so when, when we as Lutherans we talk about this as in terms of marks of the church. Um, marks of the church inside of our confessions are never crosses on top of a tall building. The marks of the church are the word and the sacraments. And so you can, you can build a very tall building and, and make very pretty stained glass and put a cross on the top of it and never once celebrate God's gifts. And that's not a church. You can walk into the middle of an old nursing home with God's gifts, set it up and have pray and hear God's word and receive the sacrament. That's a church. Right now, you, um, you are a part of the church, not because of what building you stand in, but because of the gifts that you receive that join you to Jesus. And so when we talk about this, um, we recognize that the bricks serve a purpose and we'll, we'll come to this. Um, German's clear for this because it actually has different words for church and congregation, um, which are helpful. Uh, and they even have a third one for building. 
which is which is a useful thing because when we say church we almost always mean the bricks and it's not the bricks i like the bricks they're helpful because they help point me to what i would otherwise not pay attention to because i have adhd um because like i, I would rather think about food on sunday morning once 11 o'clock rolls around like i know where i'm already focused like what's for lunch um and so like we hang stained glass all around the church and we, we build the architecture to point us to what's actually going on. And that's a good thing. That's a gift um, that we actually have a safe place um, for, for um, like air conditioning. I'm down with. Um, but if there were to be an earthquake tomorrow and, and this building would be leveled to the ground, well, I would come to the parking lot and I would dig out from the rubble a plate and a tray and find some bread and some wine. We would have church, and it would be the church, because God's gifts are there. You all kind of with me? Yeah. Over the years, Absolutely. There's three pastors that are allowed to preach at my funeral. Um, one of my best friends, um, he, he, uh, he's one of them. No, like I'm planning for this. Like it's going to come sooner or later. Um, okay. <laughs> his church was destroyed by a tornado. Um, he was 20 miles from me when it happened. Um, and and uh, he did just that. Like they actually found their chalice in a cornfield and it was abandoned. It wouldn't stand up straight anymore. And so he had to hold it the whole time. Um, the people gathered where the church used to be um, because that's where they're used to going. There was no building. There were no bricks anymore. They were gone. Half the town was gone. And they had church that day. Um, he borrowed my alb and, and he's like 6'3". So it was like a knee high on him. But like, what do you do? Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what makes the church to receive God's gifts. Um, the, the bricks, they're important. They, they're helpful. They're useful. But the definition of the church are the saints who are gathered around Jesus. So where's Jesus? That's again, you go to the marks of the church. You go to the word and the sacraments, the things that God would have you be occupied with. Holy words, holy works, holy life. That's word and sacrament. You all with me? I have a question. Yeah. Um, he starts talking about in 87 and then on uh, sanctification and sanctify and holy. And mm -hmm. I've always thought the definition of holy was um, something along the lines of separate. I don't know if that's right or not, but um, it seems like he uh, kind of inter interchanges holy and sanctify and sanctification. I'm wondering like what those words. Right. Um, sanctify means make holy. Um, like to, to be sanctified is to be made a saint. A saint is a holy one. So when you talk about the saints and the sanctification, it's the same root word. And a saint is a holy one. Um, so, so the holy ones are the ones set apart. Um, how are they set apart? They're no longer unclean, but they are clean. There you go. To be sanctified would be to be baptized. There's great wisdom in that. Like that's, that's one of the, the most profound truths inside of Christianity. Um, that, that's, that, that your holiness is not found in your works. It's not found in your life and what you do. It's found in what God would name you. God says, you're set, a, you're set apart. You are holy. Of course you're going to do good works. 
of course holy works will come from you because you're a holy person now. Apple trees make apples. Not because you yelled at them, not because they tried their best, um, but because they're apple trees. And sanctification flows from the same source as justification. It comes from Jesus. Does that kind of make sense? Terry, did I get you? Um, yeah, but when he says holy day to, to make it holy, um, like that is, that is something that we do as like setting it apart and doing separate things that we don't normally do on that day. Yeah. Like receive uh, forgiveness of sins. There's only one place that you can receive the forgiveness of sins. Um, that that's from something holy, something set apart. Um, and so when he talks about the day being sanctified, that means the day being made holy. When he talks about the day being holy to you, he says, go to the place where holiness actually exists. All the world can work by the law. All the world does work by the law. They might hate the law, but they might say they hate the law. They love the law. Um, but all the world works in, in this, trans uh, this transactional sort of way. Do this, get that. That's law. That's always the law. It's never a gift. It's always earned. There's one place where the gift is just given. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. There's only one place. And that's where the, the day is set aside as holy. And that's why, again, it's not about doing no course work. If the day is going to be actually holy, it, it can't just be measured in what you're doing. It's like trying to clean a table with a dirty rag. It's just not going to work. You need something clean to clean something else. And so we go to the holy source, which is our Lord. So I have a question, too. Yeah. We talk about keeping the day holy and sanctifying all that we think and do. Mm -hmm. And then we discuss not to cause our brother to sin. Mm -hmm. Are we violating some of that by when we leave, when we come, when we come together at the church in the brick and mortar, and then we leave to go have dinner or, or lunch at a local restaurant where folks are working? Are we fulfilling that law of holy and sanctification or are we breaking it and causing others to sin? Um, like in, in that um, they had to work at the restaurant so they couldn't go to church? Well, they worked at the restaurant because they chose to work at the restaurant. Right, that's my point. Yes. And so, I mean, there are other ones too. Um, so um, to, to go to church and then to go out into the world where people are, are working, um, I would say, no, you're not necessarily causing others to sin because again, the Sabbath is not bound to a date and time. The Sabbath is bound to the gift. And so you're going to have shit. You're working on Sunday. It's a bummer. Um, <laughs> I work every holiday. Um, every Sunday well, I got to work. Word. <laughs> but also work. People, people still get sick on Sundays. We need nurses and doctors on Sundays. Um, like it, it just, it happens. Um, if we were to stop, um, shut down all hospitals on Sunday from eight to noon, people would die. And I think that would be the sin. Rather, what we should do is make sure that our shift workers have opportune time to receive God's gifts. Uh, so it's not a time kind of, thing, rather just a day thing. And so let's take it one step further. Uh, we come home and uh, I decided to work on the fence mm -hmm. and fix the things that needed to be fixed. Good. Because limited my time yeah good house. for you yeah did you receive god gifts that day of course Just the sabbath is fulfilled rejoice don't worry about the rest that's, that's the whole point yeah you after church you can go and work that that's okay 
Because again, the Sabbath day is not measured in the external act of what you did or didn't do. It's measured in, did you receive Jesus that day? Your Sabbath so that, day is holy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. But see, I make, that's a lot because this question comes up quite often in the National Guard and also in the Army, not the churches too. Uh, Farmers Day. It's not about it's not about twenty four hours. It's just about the time of sanctifying to, to God's worship and keeping His word holy. I wish somebody would play and tell them this. <laughs> so, um, uh, but this is also why you'll see churches. Go ahead. All right. This is why you also see churches that have uh, more than one service, or or even services on more than one day. This is why you have a pastor. Um, who doesn't just work the one hour a day. Um, so our, our confessions talk about um, communion. And, and this, this is um, tied again to the rest of the manifold work. Because remember, the, the Sabbath day doesn't mean either the worship service or the Bible, but both together. Um, but it talks about communion as should be offered three, uh, three specific ways. One, every Lord's day. Two, every high feast. And three, whenever the people have need of it. And that means that if you call me and you say, pastor, man, I just, I've had work every Sunday for the last month and it's driving me nuts. I'll say, do you want to come in for communion? Can I bring communion to you? Do you want God's gifts? I'll make it happen. If you come to me and say, pastor, I need God's gifts. It's my job to give them to you. And I, I don't say, well, you know what? That'll be open on Sunday at 830. <laughs> I, I say, let's get it done. Like right away. Come in. Um, I'll come to you. We'll, we'll make it happen. Um, and, uh, and so again, when, yeah, you, you divorce this, um, from the day, which we've already done simply by moving it to Sunday because the Sabbath again is Saturday. Like as a, in the old Testament, the Sabbath was a Saturday. They moved it to Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And we're already focusing it then on not the day, not the time, not the outward work, but on being near Jesus who conquered death. Get me to Jesus. That's the whole point of the Sabbath. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Can I, can I ask one more thing? Yeah. So back to the definition of these words, like if I go through here and every time he says holy, I, mm -hmm. I could say separate or separated or set apart and it would be the same thing. Yes, but also clean. Like add that into there too. Or like, special. Like, like marked as, as God's own. Set aside as in not of the world, but with Jesus. Because like there, there's... um. There, there's sort of this, this thing that you'll sometimes see uh, Christians try to do and that they'll utterly flee the world altogether. And they'll say like, if I never once set foot in a movie theater or a bar or a dance hall, I'm clean. I'm set apart. Um, and then you say, well, nope. Um, and I can measure it really, really clearly. The wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is Christ or is life in Christ our Lord. Um, so if you never ever go to a bar or a dance hall or a liquor store, will you still die? That's the wrong kind of set apart. To be holy is to be set apart in Christ. So it's also to be named clean, um, to, to be named um, able to stand in God's own presence. Um, because remember, uh, our Lord is a devouring fire. This is Deuteronomy. Um, and so to go near God as one not set apart, as, as one unclean, is to be consumed, not in a good way. To go near God set apart, holy, is to receive nothing but blessing. There's only two things that happen when you go near God. If you are holy, that, that means not just sort of set apart, but, but clean apart, like in Christ apart. Good things come to you. When you go near Jesus, he gives manifold blessing. 
to, to go near um, God um, in an unbelief, uh, unclean, unholy, unset apart, common, um, um, or, or, or defiled. It's to be consumed. And so this is also, for example, why our church practices close communion. Um, it's never, no, you can't come to communion. But it is, I want to make sure that when you come to communion, when you stand in front of God who's actually present there, it's done for your good. So the answer is never no. But sometimes it's, we should talk a little bit first. We just want to make sure that this is done safely. In the same way, um, if you want to drive a car, I never just say, like, here's some keys, have fun. I say, all right, we're going to talk first. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I, I definitely do not do that. I've seen some of, yeah. You guys make fun of my driving, but I don't know. Um, and so, um, again, we, we actually, we want to make sure that, that when you come into God's presence, you do so for good and not for evil. Um, it, it, again, comes to, do you think God is actually present on that altar or not? If you don't think he's on that altar, there, there's no real good reason. But Melissa's right. Yes, of course he's there. He says so. And so when we come up to that altar, we want to make sure that we're doing it safely. Does that kind of make sense? I have a question. Okay. Okay. In the last sentence of uh, paragraph 87, yeah. it says, therefore, it becomes holy or unholy on your account. So yes. it's what we do or don't do that makes it holy or unholy. So can you give examples of what the unholy is? Yeah. Um, he, he actually, the rest of that sentence sort of answers that question. Um, so to, for the, the ones in the room, uh, the last sentence of paragraph 87, therefore today it becomes holy or unholy on your account. So in other words, what are you doing with that day? That defines whether or not it's a Sabbath or not. So in other words, um, the Sabbath is the Sabbath if, and the Sabbath is not always the Sabbath because sometimes you won't be. And so this second half of the sentence, according as you are occupied on the same with things that are holy or unholy. In other words, if you go to church on Sunday, it's the Sabbath. If you don't go to church on Sunday, it's Sunday. It's not the Sabbath. If you go to church on Tuesday, it's the Sabbath. If you don't go to church on Tuesday, it's not the Sabbath. The day is holy on what you are occupied with. Where are you? Are you in Jesus or you are in the world? Because the, the, the Sabbath day is the, 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 the holy day. And so it becomes the holy day when you're occupied with holy things. Have you received God's gifts? Well, that was a Sabbath to you. Have you not received God's gifts? Well, that was not the Sabbath to you. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, sure. but okay, so let's say that you're on vacation and you're in a place that there is no church to go to, but you yeah. listen maybe to a certain radio or you read your Bible, you know, you kind of, so, okay. Yeah, so say you're on vacation and, and there's no Lutheran church around. Um, say you're in the military and you're deployed. Say, I don't know, a pandemic strikes the world and all of a sudden the church is closed. <laughs> Hypothetical situations all around. Um, what do you do when Sunday rolls around? Or if you can't on Sunday morning for whatever reason, what do you do on Tuesday night? Or on, well, you sit down with your, maybe every family should have a hymnal. I think this might teach us that. Um, actually, I really, really like the treasury of daily prayer. Um, this, this is my, uh, I, if, I, if I have to go somewhere and I know there might not be a church book, um, every single day, 
There's a Psalm, an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, a writing from somebody way smarter than me like Luther, um, a verse from a hymn, a prayer. There are um, prayer offices inside of it, like matins and evening prayer and vespers. Uh, this is something that Concordia Publishing House puts out. Um, there's an app too that's like $8 and it can go on your phone. Um, and it's, it's one of the best $8 you can spend. Uh, this right here, if you want to actually bone up on devotions or you, you go somewhere where there might not be, um, this is what I'd say. But again, are you occupied with holy words, holy works, and holy life? Well, yeah, to, to pray God's word, to, to read the Bible. That's Sabbath. Um, of course, ideally, we, we would um, always have a, a church nearby. Uh, ideally, we would never have a problem. Um, but apparently, the coronavirus is a thing. Um, and so we're going to make the best of that. And so what I'll say then, if you're unable to come into church because you're high risk, is there no Sabbath for you because you didn't do the work of coming into the bricks? No. Watch the stream, sing with us, actually sing. Uh, pray with us, actually pray. Hear this sermon, rejoice in your baptism. That's the Sabbath day for you. And then recognize too, also, man, wouldn't it be great if we could actually all be together? I, I do miss the other parts of it that I wasn't able to receive. And so those who are deployed come back and finally get to take communion again. Thanks be to God. I'm not saying they weren't Christian while they were gone. I'm saying they, they gave something up to serve their country. And that's a gift. And in the same way, say you, you can't come in right now because this is just not safe yet for you. Okay, you're still baptized. When you can again, thanks be to God. Um, inside of this, uh, again, God gives all of these gifts to work together for good. It's not that one replaces the other. It's not pick and choose, but they, they all combine for good. And in the same way, I can say, for example, um, I, can, I can eat dinner even when there, there's not a protein in it. Um, there, there's such a thing as a vegetarian dish. Um, it's not my cup of tea usually, um, but if you're hungry, I'll eat it. And at the same time, when you finally bring me a hamburger, I will be happy um, and I will be full. Um, that, that's maybe not a great example, but, but again, just recognize that again, the Sabbath day is measured on, are you occupied in God's stuff? And again, we're not gonna separate God's word from the worship service. We're gonna say all of these things are meant to go together. And sometimes we live in a world where they can't, like they, they just can't. Um, and sometimes that happens not just because we can't be in the building. Sometimes this happens because I don't know, um, I'm going to pick on my wife um, who becomes a single mother for a couple hours a week um, because I go and I stand up front and she has to sit in a pew with two little kids that don't make it easy for her to be occupied with God's word and work. They, they like, they're messing with her and I'm just looking at it. And it's funny for me because I can't do anything about it. And I just laugh at my kid bothering my wife while she's trying to be occupied with God. Okay, look at this gift that she sets aside hearing the sermon so that she can make sure our kids actually appreciate what comes on here and come to love this place. And you know what? This too shall pass. And one day you'll be able to listen to a whole sermon again. Uh, that'll be a good day. Um, <laughs> this happens in manifold ways okay that's why god gives manifold gifts what do y'all think yeah all right we are at about time so let's uh let's pick up next time at, at uh, paragraph 88 paragraph 88 all right let's uh let's pray the prayer our lord has taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you all for your time here and there. You all have a good night. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.